This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Loads of echo on that, that's gonna sound awesome. You are Zanzala, our friend. Zanzala, I believe when I say that Aussie scoring goals today. At first, he was two steps behind. Couldn't get down the line But against Grimsby Aussie started having it his way Tell me why God won against Grimsby Tell me why God two against Bradford Tell me why I'll think you'll score another brace Aussie had in his way Oh, Larita Mara, how's it going? I hope you enjoyed that tune there, mate. It's going to be the last one for a while, so I'm assuming there's going to be a couple of people going, get the fuck in, and there's going to be a couple of people going, aww, but you know, um, it's difficult because I've got to go back to work this week, and it is getting more and more difficult to find time to slot certain things in. Uh, we're going to do our best to keep the show going until at least the end of the season, then at the end of the season we have got a couple of interviews lined up with some ex-Blue players, which will hopefully see us until the start of next season, and then we'll have to to do some thinking about how we're going to structure the show going forward. It's a bit difficult to imagine how we're going to structure the show going forward and from now until the end of the season because I've got to go back to work. So does Wills. Uh, so does everybody, really. If you're not already back at work, you probably will be returning to work within the next uh, two to three weeks. And uh, I'm sure you can all appreciate, since we're all in the same boat, it's a bit more difficult to find time to do these little projects that we came up with during the lockdown um, I really enjoy doing this and I really don't want to give it up so I'm going to do my best not to do that we've got another nine weeks 
of the season to go. So I think it is definitely doable. And so far with the interviews that I've been pre-recording, I've been really enjoying those as well. They're really easy for me to slot in. Uh, so I'm not necessarily worried leading into the summer. We'll just see where it goes after the summer. Right then, without further ado on the show today, this is episode 13 on Lucky for Some. No, it's not. Hang on a minute. This is episode 12. I just jumped the gun. I don't know what made me want to do that. I just jumped the gun for some reason. Right, this is episode 12 of the Blue Army podcast. I am your host, Skelly. And today on the show, we are going to be joined by none other than Liam from the Blue Army TV YouTube channel. And we will be edging closer to completing our prawn sandwich podcast set as Nathan will be joining us this week on the podcast. Right then, let's dive in to the show. And how do we start off our show? We do the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Right. Here's a clever one for you guys and girls. Here's a clever one for you. Here we go. Which football player wears the biggest helmet? It's the one with the biggest head. That's right, I tricked you this week. Ah, got ya. Ah, got ya, got ya, got ya. Anyway, let's not dwell on that too long. I hope you enjoyed the joke. And uh, let's dive straight in to the first of our two match reports with Liam from the Blue Army TV. How's it going, Liam, buddy? Right, this is episode 12 of the Blue Army podcast. And like I mentioned before, I am joined by the one and only Liam from Blue Army TV. Liam, how are you, mate? Uh, not bad. Could be worse. Exactly. <laughs> Pleasure to be on. That's it. We've got, we've got a win to talk about today. But before we dive in to the Carlisle game itself, why don't you tell us about Blue Army TV? Yeah, it's the YouTube channel. You can find it on YouTube. Just... Blue Army TV, it's the uh, first search result. At Liam Denwood on Twitter as well. And uh, I'm in the process of getting an Instagram c- account set up as well. So uh, stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's all coming, it's all coming, that's it. It's yep. once, you, once you get started on these little ventures, it's amazing the amount of work you end up putting into them in the end, isn't it? <laughs> I know, it's... it's a blessing and a curse, really. <laughs> it is. You give you give yourself something to do, and then we've got to return to normality soon as well. So, um, yeah. Liam, now I've got you, mate. And um, what we normally find on your channel is in-depth match reviews, sort of like reactions to the matches. So I'm hoping you're going to join me on my show just to pretty much do the same thing in a little bit more detail. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give us the lineups. And then we'll make our yeah. way through what we thought of the match. So Carlisle lined up with Farman in goal. Tanner, Hayden, McDonald and Armour in the back line. Riley, Guy and Mellish in the midfield. Patrick, Zanzala and Alessandra up front. Now, there was a couple of changes from the last game, most notably Toure being on the bench. What did you think about the switch around up front? I think a switch around was probably best because we've got such a good squad at the minute that it needs to be switched around. But 
I thought it could have been done instead of up front. I'd have liked to see Mellish come out for a game and possibly uh, uh, Taylor Charters, I think, is probably the best uh, replacement for him. I, I thought that obviously Toure probably should have started as we saw later on in the game that he did end up having that impact. But He looked really good when he came off the bench. Yeah, he looked up for it. Yeah, and that, that goal is just, you know, it's world class. There's no, no better way of putting it. And... But I thought Mellish was, again, he's been off the pace for a few games now. And I thought today was another example of maybe he, he doesn't have bad games, but he just doesn't impact the games that he used to, maybe towards the start of the season. I think you're right. I think Mellish could do with a little bit of a break and um, coming off the radar a little bit, because it looks like a lot of the teams in the division have sort of sussed his role out and he's struggling to find a little bit of form at the moment. I am a big fan of the youth system and bringing through youth players. So I have to agree that Taylor Charters would be my replacement as well for Mellish. And I think it would do him the world of good to have a good three or four match run in the team playing some at least 60, 70 minute games. I think that'll help him no end. Um, So the way that Carlisle kicked off the game from the first 10 minutes, you could pretty much tell what our game plan was for the match. It was definitely get the long balls up behind the fullbacks, get Patrick in, get Zanzala in, even get Alessandra in behind the fullbacks, keep hold of the ball and then link up with each other. And we we were pulling, we were pulling South End all across the pitch and, and causing them bother in the early stages. Were you feeling confident when in the early stages? Against any other team, probably not, but because of the troubles like financial and on the pitch that South End have gone through lately, it's I wasn't so worried about them a lot. As to be honest with you, I was a lot more concerned about Crawley last week, and it, it was the exact same result last week as well. I think that long ball thing—it's never been hugely successful. I think we're better at playing out from the midfield, like we have done earlier on in the season. But I think it's all right to have a game like that against a team like Southend. I will also agree with that point of view, mate. Um, it it was it was a good game plan. It was good enough for the opponent that we had at hand. Uh, We were the better team with the ball on the ground as well. And I don't think we were necessarily just trying to lump the ball forward and hope that somebody was going to get on the end of it and then not support them like we were maybe doing in previous weeks. It seemed like there was definitely an intended target and then support for the intended target when or if the ball managed to get to him. So the the, the early pressure could tell. And uh, for me, the first goal was was definitely coming when it happened. It was a a cleared ball. There was a long ball from the south end, a bit of head tennis, comes forward. I think it was MacDonald that headed the ball forward. And how impressive was Zanzala to jump that high, like a fish out of water, trap the ball on his <laughs> chest with the momentum that he had, bring it forward, go past his man, and then find find the back of the net with a left-footed effort. Oh, sorry, it was a right-footed was, effort, sorry. Outside curler yeah. with his right foot. <laughs> yeah, as, as impressive as Zanzala was, I was actually more impressed with Callum Guy winning the ball back with that tackle to start that attack. Because it was his tackle that started the head tennis. And I think it was maybe Hayden, not McDonald, that headed it forward. Because I, I, I rewatched the highlights, just, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> At least someone's on the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, who definitely was on the ball was Zanzala when he, uh, when he picked it up there. Uh, five touches and into the back of the net. And I think that's probably going to be our goal of the season. Maybe it rivaled by uh, Amari Patrick. It, was, it looked brilliant. Right under the keeper. Honestly, I think Zanzala is what we've been missing in a striker. Like, even towards the start of this season, 
we weren't getting enough goals from sort of our strikers. Like, to be, they were all coming from John Mellish, to be perfectly honest with you. He yeah. was scoring every single week. Zanzala is what Gavin Riley should have been, if that makes sense. You were saying that Zanzala was, uh, was definitely filling the gap that Gavin Riley was supposed to fill at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Is that a, is, is that out-and-out striker? Because I think with all of our other strikers, by putting them in where Zanzala plays at the minute, you're losing something from them. Like, if you put Toure up in that central striking position, then uh, Toure doesn't have the ability to sort of take it past a man that he does, like, to, not to the extent that he does out wide, like he, he is doing. And uh, the same can be said for Patrick. And uh, I think Alessandro's best dropping back a bit, isn't he? I agree with that. I mean, Zanzala has definitely sort of came into his own recently. Uh, the confidence yeah. is definitely up. He's he's controlling defences. Like, he controls the, how, how, how the other team defends, depending on which defender he wants to sit on, if he's going to sit on yeah. the last man or he's being told to sit on a particular defender. He makes the defence work really, really hard. I think at first, when he was first brought into the team, the rest of the squad weren't necessarily great at, communicating yeah. with him maybe or just just linking up with him i just don't think they, they understood what zanzala was doing with the ball go on sorry yeah that as well and he, he, i don't think he was given the game time when he was first brought in you know he would come on you would, would only get like 10 15 minutes at the end and when you bring in a new signing like that and you're expecting him to get that that amount of impact you you, you need him to have the minutes to sort of like gel with the team a bit yeah, it did confuse me when he first brought him in, I think, against Morecambe when we lost yeah. uh, Joshua Co uh, Cody at the time. And he brought on Toure instead of Zanzala. So that made me think that uh, uh, that Zanzala was even further down the pecking order. But obviously that all yeah. changed around the week afterwards and he was in the first team. And then eventually he started stringing the goals together. He just He looks like any kind of ball that goes towards him could bounce in an odd direction off of, off the turf and he he wants to be on it and he's, yeah. he's a constant threat and it's constantly um, exhausting defenders so when you do make those substitutions in the last 10 minutes and you bring on a Chedwin Scott an Ethan Walker mm. or a Jimmy Tiore they're going to be able to pull apart that defense because they're knackered after dealing with Zanzala for pretty much 80 yeah. 90 minutes you know um, I was a little bit concerned that when Zala went uh, Zanzala went down but we'll talk about that yeah, yeah. a little a little bit later on uh, so as as the match review stands, it's 1-0 to Carlisle. And Southend were trying to come into the game a little bit. For me, I noticed in that period of time that they were going to ground very easily. We would give away three free kicks before we ended up giving away the penalty. And in my opinion, it wasn't a penalty. Uh, I could barely see any contact whatsoever. If there was any contact, the striker could very easily have avoided it if he wanted to. He looked like he ran out of ideas and he just desperately threw himself to the ground. And it was very weak refereeing in that situation. But that's something I'm getting used to in this division, mate, is poor refereeing. How do you feel about how the penalty came around, Farman saving it, and, and just, yeah, just talk about the penalty. <laughs> well, I think it's another example of just disgraceful refereeing in this league. And I think it's been a, a problem for a longer time than it probably should be. And I, You get to, know, when you start learning the names of referees, that's when you know things are going badly wrong. Because you hear you hear the refs and you think, oh God, not him again. You know, Trevor Kettle and the likes of him. But it... Never forget <laughs> that name again. Yeah. <laughs> the second half of the season, he's been the bane, mate. The bane of our existence, the second half. Of oh, the no, it, it's, <laughs> it's, I think, <laughs> I think they put him here in Carlisle to torment us. Like, 
it's just it's just a constant threat to us because they announced the refs um, a, a little while before the match and I, I always look out for him in particular. I think the penalty as well was just so soft. It was another example of the referee not reacting to what he saw, but reacting to what the players are shouting at him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was, it was just weak defending. The referees do respond to the players, unfortunately, on the pitch. And Trevor Kettle is a referee that, probably has the whistle in his mouth more than he doesn't have the whistle in his mouth. It just seems like he's yeah. constantly ready to stop and start the game. And he, he, he when he referees a game, it's all, it always ends up being a poor match. It's always yeah. a classic League Two affair. It always ends up descending into long balls or just because if you put the ball down on the floor and you try and run with it, then you're going to get, you know, free kick tackles. So it's it really doesn't help. It really doesn't help this stage of the division. So... Carlisle, uh, we're coming into half time with a uh, a one nil lead, and we didn't look that bad for uh, what we were doing in the match up until this point. I think um, we had more shots on target at least, but not more shots in total for the first half. We were quite happy after we got the goal to allow Southend to come at us, but they didn't get a shot on target apart from the penalty, I don't think. Um, so it was <laughs> it was quite comfortable. I did feel quite comfortable at half time. I didn't start feeling nervy until we got towards the 70th minute and then I started worrying about it. Yeah. But the first half, as as a as a summary from you, mate, what did you think of Carlisle's first half against Southend? I think the first half was it's two bad teams and a one moment of brilliance, wasn't it? Because just long ball from it was classic League Two football. To be honest with you, it's it's it the was. kind of thing you expect from League Two. It's it's stereotypically League Two, but it then you just game. get that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's that. It's but you just get that one that one moment of brilliance from Zanzala. And it's he's a difference it was maker. A fantastic goal. He's a difference maker. Is, For yeah. me, Zanzala at the moment is like a hybrid player between two of these classic Carlisle United strikers. For me, one of them, Francois Zoko, the other one, yeah. Carl Hawley. He's like a hybrid of the two of them. The way he's strong and then he likes to run with the ball. He hasn't got the skill necessarily of Francois Zoko, but he has got the drive forward. And to be fair, Francois Zoko didn't always have the skill. Sometimes he, he would just run yeah. at defenders and it would cannon <laughs> off his knees and he'd manage to get into the box somehow, way or another. But yeah, I'm really enjoying watching Zanzala's performance. And you are right, he was yeah. the... Um, Definitive factor in the first half. The difference between the two sides was definitely Zanzala. Right, so Carlisle came out into the second half. Uh, on the 60th minute mark, Carlisle's defensive line uh, were very, very solid. There was a moment where Southend had a goal disallowed for offside. It was the same man that missed the penalty. Uh, for me, Carlisle's backline in the game was pretty solid. They didn't look very stretched. They didn't uh, look under the cosh too much. And uh, that offside, for me, is giving me a lot of confidence in the new backline. I don't think I need to see Nick Anderton start another game, if I'm being completely honest. I think the backline look a lot more fluid Without him, how do you feel about Carlisle's defence in this game? Well, I mean, I, I feel kind of bad for Nick Anderton, but we we do look a lot better without him because it's it's hard not to support Nick Anderton because he is he, there's an element of you need a, a leader there. But Jack Armour's done nothing wrong, and I think it'd be really unfair to put Nick Anderton back into the team. 
Yeah, I think Jack Armour's gone from strength to strength since coming in the team. I think he's obviously made his mistakes. I think he had maybe one poor game, uh, but that's by his mm. standards. And maybe he needed a break when he got put out the squad last time he yeah. was put out the squad for Anderton. And I think we ended up paying for it in that performance, if I'm completely honest. we uh, yeah. Anderton stood off his man and conceded a goal against uh, Cambridge that could have been better oh, defended. Oh. Um, could have been could have one. been better defended, and I missed uh, I missed Armour in that moment, and I'm pretty sure I said mm. after that moment that's enough for me from Anderton. I think he's probably on one of the bigger wages at Carlisle United as well, so yeah. it might just be one of those things where thank you very much for your service, but it's coming towards the end of of your time here at Carlisle United. Um, so yeah, we were looking quite solid um, up until the 60th minute, and then we and then I started to get. A little bit nervy, if I'm honest. Uh, they were just throwing some long balls into the box. We didn't necessarily look like they were going to threaten us too much, but it does make you nervy when those League Two long throws go into the box. But like we mentioned earlier, Carlisle's back line were looking pretty solid on the day. Um, things were getting scrappier and scrappier. Zanzala went down with an ankle knock. So did Guy went down and received a bit of treatment as well in the 70th minute. Uh, Southend were putting pressure on Carlisle with, uh, like I said, those effective long throws. Uh, just when it was getting a tad nervy for us, uh, Toure came off the bench and there was a bit of head tennis again, I suppose. There was a bit of a scrappy <laughs> build-up and somehow the ball got to Alessandra and he managed to find Toure and Toure with an absolutely fantastic finish. Probably his best finish in a Carlisle shirt, without a doubt. Um, did you enjoy the Toure goal? What did you think of the build-up? to the goal. It kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? It did, yeah. And I think that's probably the best thing Alessandro did all night because I don't think, apart from that moment, he didn't have a great game. But uh, Toure, I saw a start. I think it's his only his second league goal of the season from Toure. Wow. Which I know, which is, it, that was really surprising when I heard it. I remember being at the ground for his assist against Southend uh, back Back when fans were, do you remember that back trial period yeah. that for the fans? Yeah, There's a thousand people there back in September, the old days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back in the good old days. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was always one at the start of the season where we thought he would be one of our best players. Yeah, I remember listening to uh, the BBC Radio Cumbria commentators and James Phillips said he was going to be one of the best players uh, obviously shows you know another example of James Phillips not exactly uh, <laughs> being the best in form there but, <laughs> but, uh, but Toure I think he's picked up his form recently and even though he hasn't really scored many years of recent I think he's put the performances and performances in and the he's had the shots and by law of averages he's bound to have scored one sometime soon and he, and he did today and what a goal has sort of kick-started off again I think him and Zanzala look to be putting together quite a nice partnership. There was a moment before the goal where he played a one-two uh, with Zanzala that didn't quite come off, but he looks like when he's on the ball, he is looking for his intended targets. And that looks like it will be a good combination if they get a chance to work on it more in the future or maybe next season. Carlisle United ended up seeing the game out after that and quite comfortably. I do want to sort of stay on the subject of Jimmy Tiore. After that goal, um, I'm probably his best week, his best seven days in a Carlisle shirt between the last two games that we've yeah. had, uh, Crawley and then against Southend. Um, 
in in my opinion, he hasn't done enough yet to justify that one-year extension to be here next season. Like you said, he's only scored two goals all season. He's had a lot of minutes under his belt. He starts more games than he's been benched. I know recently he's been benched quite a lot, but at the beginning of the season and, and whatnot, he was starting more games than he was sitting on the bench. And, I mean, do you think Toure's done enough to get a contract extension at next year? Do you want to see him back at Brunton Park? You probably do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's recency bias, isn't it? You, I would say that now. I would say that he deserves the contract now. But my problem is with Toure is that he always tries to do too much. So the Toure from a few weeks ago would not have took that shot there. He'd have tried to take it past another man, uh, lost it, and they'd have probably gone up the end over end and scored. Because I think I, I haven't been Toure's biggest fan this season. I, I've said it in a few of my videos in the past. He. He's clearly got the talent. As earlier on in the season, he was getting scouted by Nottingham Forest, wasn't he? Yes, and nice. So, and it, I don't think he's got the mentality to stay for much longer because he's clearly got the talent, but he's, he's like a Harry McCurdy. That's the best way I can put it. He's got the skills, but he doesn't have the mentality. And that can all change. Look, he's got the rest of the season to prove it. True. I mean, I mean, hopefully Chris Beach, is, Chris Beach saw something in him at the beginning of the season to bring him in in the first place. And it just it seems like Zanzala's definitely given Toure um, a more purpose, I suppose. He understands his role a little bit better when he's playing on the pitch with Zanzala. Um, he's always entertaining. He is the sort of person, and I don't blame Chris Beach, but he is, he is the sort of striker that you do put on for the last 10 minutes of games who will chase down balls, who will get on the ball and run with it into the corners. And he's got the skill to keep it for a couple more seconds. He is, he's a time-wasting kind of striker. So I understand sometimes yeah. why he is brought on for the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, I think we've probably said enough about the match itself, unless you've got any sort of standout comments that you, that you want to make, anything you noticed in the game. Um, I just want to touch on uh, on Jack Armour again because okay. I think and, and another thing, Jack Armour a few seasons ago would have been loaned here, but something I noticed about the starting lineup today is that it was all our loan players. There wasn't a single loan player, and that's completely in contrast to what's been happening in the last few seasons because we've we've got a current squad of players that belongs to the club, which is why I wasn't so chuffed with. Um, Ethan Walker coming on at the end because so what, I'm not what, a, would you, what would you have done? Well, we've got homegrown talent in the on the bench itself, like like Tail Charters, as you said, and even Sedwin Scott belongs to the club. So I'm thinking we've got them talented players, young talented players to come on. Why are we bringing on historical rivals players and helping them develop theirs? The only thing I can think of in that circumstance is that. Chris Beach has already had a conversation with Ethan Walker about being here next year. Cause I think Ethan Walker's ah, contract at Preston runs out yeah. at the end of the season and he might be end up, he might end up looking for a club. So that might true. be the reason where Ethan Walker got the opportunity. Cause you want to keep him sweet. If you want to try and bring him in next year, yeah, yeah. unfortunately true. there's going to be a casualty. If we do bring Ethan Walker in full time as a player and it might end up being Scott. Um, and that's going to be a massive shame because we haven't had the opportunity to see what he can do. I can only imagine that Scott isn't a very good trainer. 
that he turns up for training yeah. and he's maybe got that sort of, and I hate to make this comparison again, but maybe he's got that sort of Jamie Vardy mentality in training where he's yeah. smashing Red Bulls and he's having a laugh and <laughs> he's messing around with cones or whatever. And the manager's not mm. very impressed and he doesn't find it funny. But when you play him in a match, like he did against the, um, both the reserve games that he's played recently, he scores goals. He finds the back yep. of the net. And I think he would be the perfect strike partner for somebody like Zanzala, who runs at defenders. And sometimes the ball just sort of pings off him and ends up sort of like rolling off somewhere, left, right or forwards. And Scott, he's, he's the guy with the killer instinct. He's the sort of person you want to be up Zanzala's ass, you know, really yeah. tight to Zanzala so he can feed off him, play some one-twos or just get on those scrappy balls that Zanzala ends up producing sometimes. Do you have a man of the match for us? Callum Guy, I think. I, I did really like the two, obviously the two goal scorers, but Callum Guy, again, he's by far been our best player of the season. It's just some of the tackles he makes it is just quality. And I can't help, I can't help but think that He'll be one of the players that the likes of Sunderland and top league one clubs will be looking at next season or in the summer. And I think he's one of the players we need to try and keep hold on as much as possible because he is he's still quite young and he's just he's a class above some of the other midfielders we see in this league. I think he's definitely one of the people we need to try and keep hold of. He's going to be important yeah. for us next year. It's the kind of player that if you lose somebody like him, very hard to replace, very, very yeah. hard to replace that kind of quality on at this level with the sort of players that we can gather from our region of the country. We don't have the London cast-offs. We've already got the Newcastle yeah. and the Sunderland and the Middlesbrough sort of cast-offs to sort of feed <laughs> off, unfortunately for us. Um, obviously, we do get overspilled from all over the country. Um, yeah, so it is, uh, it's Derby Day. On Saturday, buddy. Carlisle are playing against Barrow on Saturday. Do you have a do you have a prediction for that game? I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm really frightened of Barrow at the minute. <laughs> they're I, on good I, form, I, aren't they? It's scary. They're, they're brilliant. And it's even more scary that they've got Jamie Devitt in the team. Oh, because mate, uh... you you know for a fact he's gonna come back to haunt us. He's definitely gonna bang in a hat trick. I think it'll be two two. And I think Amari Patrick will score the equaliser. Exactly the same as what happened at Morecambe last season. If you remember that. Like a last minute. Park. Like yeah, a last minute. Like a last yeah. minute equaliser. Yeah, yeah. I can feel it. I think we did I think I think we deserve a bit of excitement. I think that'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, I really exactly. do. I think it I think it will be scrappy. Um, but it's going to be a passionate, scrappy affair. It's one of those games exactly. where COVID's just killing football, mate. And and it, it would is, have done yeah. Cumbria. It would have done Cumbrian football a fantastic service to be able to go to these derbies this season. But it looks like Barrow have done enough to stay up, and uh, we've turned ourselves around. So we'll probably end up being here next season if if we don't go on an absolute killing winning streak for the next nine games. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see that that sort of Cumbrian derbies still intact there. Well. I want to thank you very much, Liam, from the Blue Army TV. Just give you a little plug there. I do want to clear something <laughs> up you. with you, mate. I do want to clear something up with you. Blue Army TV was around before Blue Army podcast. I apologise. Yep. No, no. I apologise. <laughs> I didn't mean. I didn't mean to sort of steal the name. I, I, so I want to apologise <laughs> right here and just say I wasn't. I wasn't. I knew. I knew of you because I think I'm pretty yeah. sure that I liked and commented on one of your first videos. 
but I didn't take note of what the channel was called. So this is me officially <laughs> officially apologising for stealing your name, mate. All right. Well, I, I I don't think I've got legs to stand on to be honest with you because um my name might have been influenced, shall we say, by a, a Leicester City fan channel <laughs> on, on Twitter. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the first uh, Blue Army uh, YouTube channel. Let's just put it that way. No, well, we, uh, and I'm not the first Blue Army podcast either, I'll tell you that for a fact. <laughs> Although we still get more downloads than the Everton one does. Whee! True. Yep. We're a bigger club. <laughs> We're a much bigger club than Everton. A much exactly. bigger club. <laughs> exactly. Right, mate, well, thank you very much for joining me, mate. Uh, what, was your, uh, what was your Twitch line again? Your Twitch handle? Your Twitter handle, sorry. Your Twitter handle. Oh, right. Um, at Liam Denwood on Twitter. All right, and what is it on YouTube? Just Blue Army TV. There we go. All right, so you listeners, go and find Liam's lovely channels and go and follow them. Give him some clicks, give him some love, give him some subscribers, and I'm sure he'll appreciate it. Thanks very much for joining me today, mate. All right, thanks for having us on. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, Rithen Maras, here we are for match report number two, Carlisle United versus Scunthorpe. And as promised in my introduction, I am joined by Nathan from the Prawn Sandwich podcast. How are you getting on, mate? You all right? I'm good, mate. Thanks very much for having us on. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. I've only one away from completing my Prawn Sandwich set now. I've just got Dylan to go, I believe, and then I'll have you all three of you in my sandwich between my loaf of bread. (laughs) (laughs) Right, I don't want to keep you. Um, It's the first time that I've ever done a recording in the AM, so we'll just see how this goes. (laughs) Hopefully my brain isn't too fried, but here we go, mate. Carlisle United lined up as follows, Farman in goal, Tanner, Hayden, McDonald and Armour in the defence, Riley, Guy, Mellish in the midfield, Patrick, Zanzala and Alessandra up front. Now, Nathan, I'm not 100% sure exactly how many games you've watched or how much of a, a grasp you have on how Carlisle have been doing this season, but... This is the first time in a long time we have consistently played the same start in 11 for three games in a row. And for three games in a row, we've won 2-0. Hats off to Chris Beach. I mean, what can there be said about consistency and what that does for a confidence in a team? Yeah, completely. I think it's in a stage now where the team kind of picks itself, really. I mean, if it's the best kind of formula for football is winning football. So if it's winning and it's not broken, then why try and fix it? That's it, mate. That's exactly what I've got written down. If it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. As well, what I noticed is also the bench is consistently being exactly the same for the three games as well. So it's almost as if he's he's completely picked his his sort of eighteen players to see him through until the end of the season. It looks like almost. Obviously, injuries recently have have dwindled down the squad. Coyote recently went out, and Dixon has recently went out in the last couple of weeks. Right then, uh, Carlisle. Carlisle kicked off the game pretty well. We were looking the better side for probably the first 30 minutes of the game. Zanzala was getting around very well. There was an opportunity early on where Patrick made his presence felt on the right-hand side and uh, made a 
a questionable balling, but it's the sort of balling that Zanzala enjoys. It was a bit of a ballooned effort, which uh, was dealt with pretty poorly by the Scunthorpe defence. And then Zanzala just said, this is Zanzala's. And just <laughs> that's it, mate. He decided that I'm going to barge all three defenders out of my way, brush them aside, turn around, and unfortunately just slot the ball wide. Very encouraging signs from Carlisle in the early stages. Were you feeling confident as the match kicked off? Throwing in the first 42 seconds, you know what I mean? Like, it, just not a constant press. It was really nice to see. Um, like I say, Zanzale is like a, it's like a full-fat version of Olomola, you know what I mean? <laughs> Olomola is like a Diet Coke version of Zanzala. <laughs> I think he'll take that. <laughs> it was really impressive, though, really impressive. A frustrating first half for, for Carlisle as a whole, really. Obviously, we went into half-time nil-nil. Zanzala was putting himself round a lot, and I wanted to sort of focus in on him in the first half. The commentators also did have something to say about him. He is a physical player. He gets himself around a lot. He will push defenders and then equally be pushed by defenders in return. And certain referees in this division will perceive that in different ways. But unfortunately, the way that the modern game's going with VR, the referees tend to favour the defender over the goal scorer. And I could see... Ozzy getting a little bit frustrated with the fact that he wasn't getting any free kicks going his way. And I think eventually he, he was doing his best to stay on his feet and he adapted his game. Did you did you notice Ozzy maybe getting a little bit frustrated and, and then and then just staying on his feet really a bit longer, even though he, there was a lot of physical contact? Yeah, I think it's I think it's his size, really, isn't it? I think sometimes the officials will see like his size and his stature and think, well, he shouldn't really be going down. But it's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? You've got to learn how to draw the fouls in, but he's not going to get any more until he stays on his feet a little bit more. And at the end of the day, he's a strong, powerful lad, so he shouldn't. If it'll take something special to knock him off the ball, but there was a foul on him in that first half, definitely. Oh, I think there was a few. Yeah, I think there was a few, but unfortunately. The opportunities, because he's the target man, it's normally him that goes down a lot and he's the one that gets noticed by the referee, I would say. And this time, it's it felt like the referee definitely zeroed in on him after the first sort of 15 minutes and very much decided that he was going to let it be a competitive game between the strikers and defenders and he wasn't necessarily going to be blowing uh, any referees in the... Uh, any any free kicks in the, in the attacking favour. Um, but he did let the play go on most of the time, at least. He wasn't necessarily blowing against Aussie, he just wasn't giving him anything. So I would say Scunthorpe grew into the game towards the end of the first half. They had a couple of good efforts around the half an hour mark and Paul Farman was forced into making two very good reactionary saves. The first of which was an effort by the left back who sort of cut into the corner of the box and then hit a low driven powerful effort probably aiming towards the goalkeeper's back post, but Farman did really well to deflect that one round the post. And then the resulting corner from that, there was um, an effort that was also saved by Farman. I've been impressed by Farman this season. One of my favourite things about him is his distribution. And then also he is really good uh, reactionary goalkeeper. My issue with Farman, Nathan, is that he's not 
on contract next season. His contract expires at the end of the season. And the goalkeeper on the bench, Mag- Magnus Norman, has a contract which will last until the end of next season. Yeah. So it makes me think when we keep playing Paul Farman, are we going to be offering him a extension maybe going in towards next season? And I'm not 100% convinced that we can't do better than Paul Farman. I don't know. I, I don't know. We don't know what, yeah. what targets are out there, but I'm not sure if we're maybe on this occasion settling for what we've got if we do offer Farman a contract extension. But after the game that you saw from Paul, would you be quite happy keeping him next season? Yeah, I think I think he's playing out of his skin because he knows that there's a contract issue coming up at the end of the season. But I think... I think because we've been so used to having Colin in nets for season upon season that it's been a tough place to replace him, you know what I mean? But I, I like yeah. him. I, he, he's he's very fast on the counter-attack. He'll get the ball and he's not ashamed to get rid of it straight away. But yeah, he's playing out of his skin at the minute. So why not give him a deal? So you think maybe he's playing so well uh, because he is trying for another contract yeah, or not, not necessarily because he's maybe looking to to interest other clubs with a with a, a run of really good form. You think he's a bit of a loyalist. I think he is. I think he's a leader. Yeah. I think I think he's a vocal person uh, in the changing room. So Carlisle went into halftime at nil-nil, a little bit frustrating because the opening 20 minutes, we peppered the Scunthorpe goal with a couple of opportunities. Nothing really cutthroat. It was more half opportunities being turned into something, I would say, feeding off scraps. But all in all, a pretty good first half. Thinking back to how you felt at half time, did you feel like we were probably going to be winning the game when the, when it was when it was the full ninety? Did you see it sort of ending the way it eventually did, or did you think maybe ooh, few nerves were creeping in, and maybe it was going to be one of those games where we just don't score, mate? <laughs> um, I think well, going in at half time, I thought it was a bit like a bit unjust, really. I thought we deserved to at least go in at, at least one up, but. Um, I think sat at half time and I think it was more of a pull your sleeves up and we'll get the job done because I generally think Scunthorpe had no plan B I generally think it was just boot the ball as far as it can up to loft and that would be it they, they were settling for a point and if anything it was just just game on really yeah, I feel like Scunthorpe definitely came to play for the point. The way they the way they lined up with the uh, the four five one, which was basically just a flat back nine with one person up front for parts of the game <laughs> in the early stages. It, it it didn't look like they were ever going to get a goal against Carlisle. The final ball was was always hit and hope, and and yeah, I had a lot of confidence at halftime that as long as we just kept chipping away, eventually one of our set-piece plays or, or something along those lines would get us a goal. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So the second the second half got on the way, and I noticed, and um, maybe I should have noticed in the first half, maybe Mellish was doing the same thing, but Mellish was definitely going into the box and uh, just pulling the Scunthorpe defence around a little bit more, just sort of like pulling that shape around a bit. Mellish was lingering around in the area, not necessarily always looking for the ball, but he was making those runs, which were asking more and more questions of the Scunthorpe defence, which eventually, um, I think, helped for his second goal. But we'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to talk about the first goal first because you know that's just the way that the order goes I suppose <laughs> the build up 
<laughs> the build-up to the goal, mate. Uh, Carlisle had two very good corners in the sort of five-minute build-up towards the goal and an effort from Zanzala, which was headed wide, unfortunately. It was a great ball in, uh, I believe, from Armour, who played the ball in to, yeah. to Zanzala on the back post, who unfortunately couldn't do much better. And Riley had an effort, which um, was, was, was deflected wide as well. The goal definitely felt like it was coming. And when it came, I enjoyed it, mate. I really enjoyed it. You, you, can, you can't beat it when you've been pushing and pushing and attacking and attacking. And eventually the goal comes. It it, it felt great, mate. What did, what did you think of the goal? Uh, I felt a little bit sorry for the scumball keeper, to be fair, because he pulled off that absolute <laughs> worldie off McDonald's head, didn't he? Yes, and then he did. The yes, gun score, so I felt a little bit sorry for him, but no, it was... Kind of a little bit of relief setting because I think it was about the, the amount of chances we created before the goal actually came. It was like, oh, is it ever actually going to come? And then when it <laughs> came, it was like, relax now. We've, we've got it now. Let's just keep going. Definitely. I feel like um, did it did put Carlisle minds at ease when the goal went in. I zeroed in on John Mellish's run into the box. Um, he was picked up from outside of the D by his defender, made a run with all the pace in the world that he could muster it looked like towards the back post stopped dead in his tracks as he hit the six yard box, which then made him lose his defender because his defender carried on towards the back post, took a step back and leaped like a jumping salmon into the air. And he was completely open at the time, just ahead of the ball home. Really good movement. Um, I also want to point out the delivery from Callum Guy, uh, the consistency of the other two um, corners that we had in the build-up, like you said, one of them resulted in McDonald's header, which pulled a, which forced a worldy save from the Scunthorpe goalkeeper. But um, yeah, Callum Guy's deliveries and his consistency have definitely been something that's helped Carlisle unlock opposition of recent, definitely across these last three games. Did you notice um, Callum Guy's performance at all? Just just the way that you can pick passes from the midfield and then also, obviously, like I've been mentioning, the consistency of his set-piece play? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a, I think he's a solid 7 out of 10 every week, isn't he? Like, even on a bad game, he still somehow manages to have a good game. Um, I like the way he works with Riley as well. I think, like, I think their link-up play in the middle is quite... I think it's quite un, unsung, to be honest with you. Like, obviously, Mellish is getting the goals, which is good. Um, but it's the other lads in that midfield that do a lot of work as well. And I like the way him and Riley play together. I thought, I thought Riley was really... I thought, he, he, To be honest with you, Riley was probably my man of the match last night. Oh, Riley was? Yeah. All right, yeah, okay. I really liked the way he played. I, I, I would have said Guy, actually. But just because out of the two of them, they both had really good games. They both looked yeah. classy in the midfield, like you said. But Callum Guy just had a little bit more to do in the game with the two assists oh, yeah, from, 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 from the set piece. And then, obviously, uh, we're going to talk about the second goal right now, actually. Let's just jump into it and talk about that second goal. It was another assist from Callum Guy, a very clever ball. But the, uh, the build-up to the goal, it was a corner to Carlisle, only two minutes after their goal. So we went right back on the press again and Scunthorpe were just in pieces and didn't deal with uh, didn't deal with an, another Carlisle sort of pressing effort very well. They, they, were, they were all over the place at some points of the game, weren't they, Scunthorpe's defence? I felt sorry for the goalkeeper, like you said, because his defence were just crumbling all around him. <laughs> But yeah, it was another corner, a good delivery again, a tricky ball in towards the back post uh, this time. Zanzala was there. He met it. He tried to head 
back across the goal. Uh, Scunthorpe's defenders didn't do very well, like I've mentioned. Got the ball cleared barely towards the edge of the area where it fell to uh, George Tara, who decided to smash it. Um, and then it ricocheted off a defender, went back out to the left-hand side to the original corner taker, Callum Guy, who improvised an outside-of-the-foot sort of half-volley, first-touch, nice <laughs> daisy-cutting low cross. It was, it was a really nice cross, and Mellish was just stood there waiting for it to come to him, and ping, it just ricocheted off his, <laughs> off his foot. He just opened his foot out nicely, angled his foot. He didn't even have to swing it. The cross just met his foot, and it went into the bottom corner. It was a very nice finish, very coolly taken. And like I said... What was important in that goal for Mellish was his positioning. And if he had ran out of the box after the corner was taken, like he maybe was doing in previous weeks, rather than sticking around in the six-yard sort of area and making a bit more of a nuisance of himself and forcing Scunthorpe not to necessarily clear the lines very quickly, that's what resulted in the goal. So, yeah, um, how did you feel about John Mellish's second finish? It was a lot different from the first one. Yeah, completely. Uh, just bodies in the box, didn't it, really? Um, just almost like, well, I know it's League Two, but almost Frank Lampard-esque, you know what I mean? Just get in the box, hang around, and anything that comes in, just get your foot on it. But um, nice little bit of a flare pass from Guy as well. It was quite, um, it was quite inventive, shall we say. It looked like an instinctive goal from both accounts of Guy and from Mellish. It looked very instinctive. It looked comfortable from the for the ball in for Guy, who's got an untold amount of uh, weapons in his arsenal when it comes to the style of passing that he has at his disposal with 60-yard spray balls, um, which can switch a team onto the attack, to just clever little improvised, low-cutting daisy balls like that that you don't see very often. It was, it was a yeah. nice touch to see from Guy and then Mellish obviously didn't have a lot of time to position himself necessarily but because he was in the right position he had he gave himself the best opportunity to know where the goalkeeper was know where the defenders were around him and he slotted home really really well so Carlisle sort of after that uh, just Mopped it up, really. <laughs> Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe didn't look very interested in chasing the game. And Carlisle looked like a team that had played three games in a row with the same starting 11 uh, in, in, in across the last sort of seven-day period. So it was fair enough that things slowed down a little bit for Carlisle after that. They started to make a few changes, which was which was nice to see. Uh, I always like seeing Toure come on. I always like seeing Thurman come on. And Chedwin Scott and Walker also made appearances for us towards the end. Um, yeah. Do you know much about the situation that surrounded Chedwin Scott and, and the way that he came into the team from non-league? Not really, no. Um, he's one of the ones that kind of Raised an eyebrow. Yeah, um, so Chedwin Scott for me is one of those players where, unfortunately, the football manager side of your brain keeps telling you to play him. <laughs> He's one of those players where you just think like, oh, I'm going to find a player from non-league and he's going to come into my team. He's going to score goals and I'll sell him for like three or four million to a championship team in a season or two, which will help me bring in all the players that I want. And then all of a sudden it's a different ball game. But... <laughs> 
Tedwin Scott is somebody that was released uh, from a Premier League outfit. The I think it was Man United, to be completely honest. I could be wrong, but he was released by a Premier League outfit into non-league and he was scoring goals for fun, was offered a trial by Carlisle, but unfortunately it was around the period of the COVID turn, um, the, the second lockdown. So it was harder and harder to find a reserve teams to play against yeah. so we could have a look at him on trial. So it was like a three-month trial where he only played about two games in reserve games, but he was offered the contract. So he must have something about him. Every time he plays for the reserves, he scores goals, but he's never been able to get more than five minutes in a game for the first team. So it does, it, it does, it does really frustrate me. Um, but you know what? I'm going to stop myself in my tracks right there. I can't complain too much. Carlisle won 2 nil for the third time in a row. It was another clean sheet. Yeah, I'm happy, mate. I'm happy. If you could give that Carlisle performance a mark out of 10, what are you going to give him for the display against Scunthorpe? Ooh. Uh, you know what? I'll give him an eight. You can always do better. And I think Scunthorpe had a lot. I think about maybe the last 10 minutes, there, were, there was a bit of, bit of pressure. But I think Hayden managed to control the back four, shall we say. But um, yeah, I'll give him an eight out of 10. It was just nice to see them winning. I think Hayden's done fantastically well stepping into the captaincy role that he's been asked to do recently. Obviously, Nick Anderton being the uh, the what would you, what do you call it the official? Yeah, that's that's the bloody yeah. hell. That's not even a hard <laughs> word to find in your vocabulary. The official captain on paper would be Nick Anderton, but because he's been missing from the starting lineup for a while, um, Hayden's done a really good job uh, on 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 this occasion. Definitely showing a lot of leadership and. Free clean sheets, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Show for themselves, mate. Yeah. Um, so I don't really have anything else to say about the, the Scunthorpe game. We saw it out pretty well. There wasn't a lot that happened in the last half an hour. What I'm more interested in, Nathan, is what your prediction is for the Cumbrian derby on Saturday, <laughs> buddy. Do you have a prediction for us for Carlisle versus Barrow on Saturday? Well... I did promise no fence sitting, so I think it'll be a I think it'll be a close game. I think there's loads of points to play for. Carlisle are pushing playoffs. Barrow are just hoping to stay in the league. But I think I think shown on yesterday's performance and Carlisle's performance against uh, Barrow's performance against Colchester. I think uh, to be honest, the big goals I reckon be two one to Carlisle. I think I think I'll just scrape it. I think that's fair. I think that's a pretty good shout. I think that's a pretty good shout. I don't know if you know this already, but unfortunately, I tied myself with a promise on episode one where I would never, ever, 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 ever predict that Carlisle will lose a game. So um, <laughs> it's probably why there is no betting shops crawling over themselves to sponsor my show. <laughs> Although they probably should because my, yeah. my, my advice is that terrible. The bookie would just make loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think it would be mental if Carlisle pulled off another 2-0 win because it would be four in a row. So it'd just be a bit weird. But after the inconsistencies we've had this season, I can completely see us going in the opposite direction <laughs> and then being incredibly consistent for maybe the next sort of five or six games. So I am actually going to say Carlisle are going to win 2-0. And because... Aussie has been trying hard recently, but not necessarily getting himself the goals. I'm going to say Aussie with a brace. <laughs> nah. Put yourself out there. Why not? Why not, mate? Why not? 
Right, mate, um, we're, we're coming towards the end of this little segment now. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you have uh, your own podcast, or you're a part of um, a threesome that do a podcast, a menage a trois of audio descriptive <laughs> services of football-related content. Um, I don't think I've done a very good job of describing it there, mate. I'm sure you can, though. <laughs> Give it a go, please. Tell us all about the show. <laughs> You find a different language in there. That's that's spot on. That. <laughs> <laughs> Just started the football podcast, like about maybe I think we've been going about a year and a half now. I think maybe and maybe it's two years. I don't know. But uh, I started on my own. It got a bit too much, too much for us to do. And then Jamie and Dylan came on board, and um, yeah, we just cover a wide variety of um, topics in regarding the beautiful game. Really, um, we have fans that come on talk about their clubs that they support. We have designated episodes like on players, tournaments, I think music as well. We've got a music in football episode that's quite good. Um, football manager chronicles where we just talk about our football manager saves. That's it. People that's the one I on. like. <laughs> yeah, they are good. They are good. I listened to part three last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. It is good, and it keeps passes the time as well. To be fair. So where can we where can we find the prawn sandwich podcast? Where's the best place to go and find it? You can find us. You can find us anywhere. We've just got our new our new YouTube channels just open, so that's where episodes are going on. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Castbox, Acast, wherever you find a podcast, we'll probably be on there. Beautiful, just mate. Well, thank- prawn sandwich. That's it, mate. That's the one thing you need to do. Search the prawn sandwich. Give them a follow. Give them a subscribe. Give them some bloody love because they deserve it. They absolutely <laughs> deserve it. They've had me on before, and uh, I don't. I'm not sure when that's going to come out, but it's always good to have a couple of episodes in the bag, mate, isn't it? Is. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, and the plan is for me to grab the three of yous, and uh, I think we're going to do an England-related episode, uh, which is going to be coming out across the summer so you've all got that to look forward to i think next week i'm going to complete my prawn sandwich set and i've got dylan coming (laughs) on to talk about one of the games next week i can't remember off the top of my head which one i've asked him to talk about (laughs) right nathan mate it's been an absolute pleasure i'm not going to keep you any further your duties with me have been fulfilled sir and much appreciated (laughs) thanks for coming on did you enjoy yourself oh absolutely and uh Whenever there's an opportunity to talk about the Blues, I'm there. I'll be there. Don't worry about it. Absolute pleasure to be on. Thanks very much for having us. All right. Well, if you tell me that one, mate, I might be knocking on your DMs again in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye on them naughty DMs. All right. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Beautiful. Okay. This has been episode 12 of the Blue Army podcast. I am Skelly. That was Nathan. We've also had Liam from the Blue Army TV YouTube channel on the show today. I'm going to pass over to a fantastic band called Neon Lung with a song called Bad Attitude. That's our loud and local segment for the show this week. Ta-da for now!
I'll stop recording. Lovely. <laughs> Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.